What is up, everybody? I wanted to take a second to share with you an upcoming event I am hosting that I am beyond excited for. On May 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern, we are hosting our next Breathe With Cannabis event, and this month's theme is that of authenticity. Now, for those that are hearing about these workshops for the first time, they are a two-and-a-half-hour live cannabis and breathwork ceremony hosted online that you can attend right from the comfort of your own living room with an amazing community of like-minded individuals from all around the world. These workshops are an absolutely incredible way for any of you who have been looking to open up the psychedelic powers I speak of often with regards to cannabis on the show to be able to do so, and we want you to experience it for yourself. To find out more info on this month's theme, the breakdown of the event, and to register and save your spot, head to the link in the show notes, and I am so looking forward to guiding all of you into a more authentic expression with the help of the powers of cannabis and breathwork. Enjoy the show. Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Sending gratitude to all of you who are joining in today to accompany us down the rabbit hole of self-exploration through plant medicines. My name is Ryan Sprague, and I'm here to tell you that your frequency is now set and tuned to explore psychedelic medicines and the impact they've made among the countless psychonauts exploring the last true frontier. Buy a ticket and take the ride with me as we get true firsthand accounts of the experiences, benefits, risks, and transformations taking place within the ever-expanding world of psychedelic medicines on This One Time on Psychedelics. For anyone who has connected with plant medicines and psychedelics before, I imagine it's no mystery that these medicines and teachers have the ability to bring forth heightened creativity, unlock aspects of our heart and soul's callings, and allow us to take an objective view of the path we are currently on and simultaneously view other paths we could choose to embark upon in our lives. This being said, all too often psychedelic enthusiasts have these experiences and fail to take action on them thereafter the experience, leading them to either not live the version of life that is greatest and grandest in nature for them, and or believe they must need another journey to be able to access that feeling of passion and purpose once more. I often talk about this as these individuals mistaking the medicine itself as the quote-unquote sun or quote-unquote moon, with the sun and moon in this example acting as our own intuition and ability to access these states while in our sober reality. And today's guest on the show is leading the charge in being able to guide her clients to not only connect with the medicine of psilocybin in ways that ensure harm reduction tactics are employed, minimum effective dosing protocols are practiced, and they understand that all this medicine is doing is showing them the possibilities that already exist within them, but is also doing so in a way that allows them to have a deeper sense of direction and intention within the experience and a solid integration platform after the experience is concluded. In addition, she is also a master in the realms of content creation, branding, social media, biohacking, and more and employs her unique skill set within the plant medicine space to allow her clients to maximize their creative potential and unlock deeper layers of their purpose and the work they do together. So please give me a big hand in welcoming Bijou, the mushroom mamacita Finney to the show. What's up, Bijou? So good to have you back. <laughs> I'm going to need that copy. It was so good. Thank oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> Writing the intro is my favorite part, you know, because I feel like it's like, you know, of course we connected in the intro chat, we've done highly optimized and whatnot, but it's like that opportunity for me to really be like, okay, let me dive into Bijou's world. Let me see all the things. And 
like I said, and highly optimized. It's so cool because, you know, hobbies anonymous where I'm like, okay, cool. Someone else is interested in as many different things as I'm interested in. So it's not a problem anymore. You know, like I'm not the only one, you know, because <laughs> a lot of like, a lot of times my partner will be like, how are you interested in so many different things? But again, it's that one line in human design where I'm like, I want to know everything about everything. And also realizing that I'll never know anything about anything, but it's just a fun journey to go on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so exactly. you specialize in psilocybin, but I, I, I imagine you've done different psychedelics as well. And I'm curious, like how you first became interested in the realm of psychedelics, because, you know, for people like us that grew up in the, you know, Nancy Reagan, just say no and dare programs and all these kind of things, you know, harping down upon us at some point, we decided to maybe just say yes. And so I'm curious what brought you from just saying no to maybe saying yes to saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> saying yes. yes. <laughs> With four S's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what's funny is, um, I grew up in El Paso and I I will say that I saw a lot of scary stuff happen uh, around like cocaine and, and alcohol. And so I was pretty religious and adverse to that, even though I was around it because you can't not be around it growing yeah. up there. Um, and so when I got to Texas State, again, another school, it was like really into partying. And I, I worked a lot and went to school a lot. and. Yeah, I just was like, so against drugs, so against alcohol for a lot of my life. When I did, it was mostly alcohol. When I finally graduated and moved to, to Austin, I guess I could I could just tell that I was unhappy in a lot of ways and that alcohol was making me feel really crappy. And so um, I ended up connecting with this beautiful person who used to be a Mormon and a psychedelics kind of changed his life in a way that he just realized that it didn't align with how he felt. And it was the catalyst to help him step away and kind of become sovereign and, and more connected to what he wanted. Mm. And so his story was really interesting to me just because I had myself also kind of broken away from the Catholic church that I had been pretty embedded in most of my life. And even though there is so much beauty to my upbringing in Catholicism, I, I love a lot of the teachings and I still have a very deep connection to some of the saints and, and angels and spirits. I also realized it made me feel really bad about myself all the time. And so uh, I just knew that that wasn't right for me, but I also knew that it was so deeply embedded in my psyche and my subconscious that I was going to take something pretty big to shake me out of that. So when I saw what he had done for himself and the fact that he offered to basically guide me, uh, I took that opportunity and I had one of the most amazing acid experiences of my mm. life or LSD. And um, that was that was the first that first experience. And it was a a love, a, a peace, uh, a forgiveness that I had never experienced in my life. And wow, I'm just getting emotional thinking about it. <laughs> and, and I was like, um, at that point, I was like, grew up Republican and Catholic, and I had so much to rewire that I was like, okay, that, that I can align with that resonates with me, even though I feel like a fish out of water. Um, so then I, as I do, as you know, I just went 
ape shit. And I just was like, I need to try everything. I need to understand this. Why does this work in my brain? What is this actually doing? Why is this illegal? It can't be. And it was just like so much. So I tried basically almost everything you could possibly try, except for Iboga wasn't like very known. That's at that the point. one for me. Yeah, too. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Not any uh, rush to try that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and and so in all of my experiences and all my research, I just kept coming back to to my to my girl or to my to my love, which is psilocybin, just mm. because. I love how you can utilize the medicine in different doses, depending on what you're trying to do in your life. So microdose or a small little trip with your partner or a big trip to like heal some past trauma, or maybe even some clarity on what you're trying to do with your business all the way to just going out in nature on a hike. Right. And, and, experiencing nature in a beautiful connection. And so, yeah, it was like, I had so much work that I had to do that it really didn't make sense for me to just be like dropping acid, like every week to do this work. (laughs) Uh, Whereas with mushrooms, I felt like it was actually helping my brain. It was Mm. helping me process my current stress and my past stress. So yeah, I just, I, we became homies at, at <laughs> uh, some point. And I mean, I will probably always work with this medicine and always support people with working with this medicine. Cause I owe so much of my existence now to this medicine. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. And yeah, it's so funny because LSD is, uh, you know, I think, uh, Albert Hoffman said it best, like my problem child. Right. And so you know, LSD is one of my favorites and it's one that a lot of people like are just like, I don't like to mess with that. But for me, it's, you know, when I finally, cause I, I took it plenty of times and kind of like, you know, with acid, I, I find there's this common experience where like most people are like, I took LSD. It was way more than I expected. You know, it's like that literally happens mm-hmm. almost every time. So I understand <laughs> what you mean about like having to dose it out. Cause even when I try to take a microdose, I'm like, all right, delete all things off my calendar for today. I guess that wasn't a <laughs> microdose, you know? And, yes. you know, I remember yeah. being at music festivals when I was younger and, you know, taking strong acid and it was essentially like, I just controlled, deleted myself. And so like for hours I'm wandering around, you know, this music festival being like, okay, who am I? Where am I? Again? And then, and I was never like, you know, worried or anything. It was more just like, okay, I'm far out right now. and probably not the right <laughs> set and setting and these kind of things. And, you know, you do yeah. silly things when you're younger, but you know, it's interesting because I've had so many experiences with LSD now in my older years where, I mean, that medicine has been so profound for me. And I feel like it's kind of the sleeper because we hear about, you know, ayahuasca and psilocybin and these kind of things doing that, which they definitely do. But all the time, you know, we hear kind of acid being like, oh, I don't know, it just freaks me out or those kind of things. And again, different strokes for different folks, but some of the most beautiful experiences in my life have been on LSD. Not only the ultimate gift of I've never found better laughter medicine in my life. Like that's kind of how I, you know, constitute LSD these days. It's just like, oh, I'm going to take a laughter medicine, you know, and it's like really fun when you're with friends to like try to like play a game of who can make each other like just fall over and double over in laughter to the point where they're like, am I going to die from not breathing because I'm laughing so hard? Like, I think that, you know, in a way, laughter is crying just reimagined. Because if you think about it, like laughter, like, 
you're heaving, you're doing all the same things as crying. And at some points you laugh until you cry. Right. So like, it's oh, yeah. really healing, you know? And it's oh yeah. You're fun. purging energy. Like <laughs> yeah. I tell, I tell people you're going to purge energy in a lot of different ways. You can mm. be like shaking and shivering. You mm-hmm. can cry, you can emote, you can sound, you can uh, move your body. Like want to punch things. You could like <laughs> laugh and cry hysterically. All of those are getting emotion uh, and and stuck energy out of your body for sure. And yeah, if I'm going to move energy, laughter is one of my favorite ways to do that. Oh, so much fun. One of the best sayings that I've ever heard with regards to acid and mushrooms, because you know, people will ask you like, well, how do they differ? And it's like, well, they're completely different, but they're also similar in certain ways, but I can't really put my finger on it because it's different <laughs> every time, you know? So it's like really Just hard. Just take but... both and let me know what you yeah, think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Report back to me. But you know, one of the best ways I ever heard it was, mushrooms take you on a quest acid puts you in an open world map you know and so like thinking about a video game right like if you're on a quest well there's a mission there's there's a guidance there's something you must do an open world map is kind of like just go look at bark or something do whatever you want to do there's really not any (laughs) guidance just choose your own adventure and i think that's like what i love about psilocybin and lsd is that when i know i have a specific purpose like okay i have some trauma that i want to let go of i have some limiting beliefs that's like more for mushrooms where I'm going on a quest. And then there's times where I might have a week free or something and I'm going up to, you know, New Hampshire or something like that, or Maine or something. I'm going to be in the woods and I'm just curious. I just want to be in the mind of a child and curious, observe and go look at an ant. Like it's the first time I've ever looked at an ant and ponder it and go, what even is an ant? What makes that up? That's good for LSD, you know? And so all these different medicines have different uh, opportunities to kind of bring you back to the same universal truth, right? Of like, we are all one you know, there is a God, whatever you want to, you know, think that universal truth is, but, you know, it's so powerful because, you know, with psilocybin specifically, it's one of, if not my favorite, you know, personal preference of medicine as well. And I've just had every time I go on a journey, especially these days where I know what I know now about set and setting and all the other stuff with sacred space and ceremonial settings, it's almost never easy. It's almost the most challenging thing I go through every time I take a, you know, big dose of mushrooms. But I know on the other side, I'm going to feel like someone took a wet pool noodle and just wrung it out, you know, being able to wring that out. Now I'm lighter on the other side of it. I don't have as much water in me anymore, so to speak, and water being trauma, emotions, those kind of things. And, you know, when my father got sick with cancer. You know, I was living in the same house as him and I would take mushrooms very regularly at that point because I knew like I didn't know how to process it and not allow him to see me like processing because I didn't want to put that on him because he was already really worried about, you know, like what was this going to do to the family structure and things like that. So I would just go on these deep quests and meditate for hours with mushrooms and, you know, let myself cry, let myself emote, let myself let off all the steam that I was feeling. And I really credit it because when he passed on, it was like, I was perfectly ready for it to happen. It was still challenging. It was still hard, but you know, I've watched other people in my life, especially like other family members that are older who have gone through loss of parents, loved ones, et cetera that it's just absolutely crushed them. And, you know, my father and I were best friends, you know, he was a huge component of my life. And, you know, huge reason I am the person I am today. But, you know, when he passed, you know, it was still sad, it was still, you know, it still hurt. But, you know, I was, I was excited for him to graduate, you know, I was excited for him to transition out of this realm, and and really expand, you know, because what mushrooms taught me during that experience was, you know, that like, hey, this whole term of dying, kind of makes it sound like a finite end. 
But in reality, it's actually an expansion. It's becoming bigger when you pass on because right now we're, you know, we're fixed into this body, right? And of course we have an aura and things we can't see, but you know, we're contained to a certain degree, but when we transition, we expand. And so it was this beautiful ceremony of seeing the fact that, oh, my father's about to graduate and expand. And essentially like with regards to an analogy for normal life, like he's about to leave high school and go start college and figure out his dream life, you know, like, and so it was really powerful. And I really credit Solus Heaven for being able to help me through that and being able to show me the things that were, you know, uh, that allowed me to be able to integrate that thereafter. And it was just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, there is that aspect of psilocybin for sure that really, allows people to come to terms with the fact that death is not that scary thing that we are extremely afraid of. Uh, I think that's why at end of life work where people are diagnosed with terminal illnesses. So they have an actually like good time while they still have time on the planet. Mushrooms work wonders on, on them, but also helping people grieve because Mm. you definitely want to grieve uh, your close relationships, but it helps you reframe, right? And and I think that's what's been so big for me is that I have much less fear in my body, knowing that like I'm going to pass one day and knowing that my loved ones are going to transition. It took away that like severe anxiety that was just making me want to hold on so tight uh, that now allows me to just be okay with whatever happens and know that I have support with this beautiful medicine to deal with any of that. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the world far and wide. I wanted to take a second as you're listening to this three-part series on conscious cannabis consumption to share with you an amazing new opportunity we have for each of you. On May 16th, our waitlist opens up for our next enrollment period of the Conscious Cannabis Collective. And we have some awesome bonuses that you'll want to hear about. To find out more info and to prepare to join the waitlist when it opens up on the 16th, head down to the link in the show notes and check it out today. Now back to the show. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show. And I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, 
create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever. Mm, it's so powerful because, you know, it reminds me of that statement, you know, don't cry because it's over, cry because it happened. You know, instead of crying because I felt like I lost someone, I was crying because of how much an impact they made on me, right? My father, my, my grandmother, you know, all these people that played such a big role in my life. And, you know, it's that flipping of the script so that, you know, it's not that you're avoiding emotion or saying like, oh, we're all infinite beings. It doesn't even matter when someone dies, right? Allow yourself to be human and realize that like, you're still going to be upset when people leave. And the analogy that I, that I give for this is kind of like, all right, think about it. Like we're all at Disney world, all your friends and family, everyone goes to Disney world. And at certain points, some of them leave and yeah, like you, you miss them being at the park. But at the same time, you know, you're going to get to see them again at some point, but you still miss them because you can't go on the rides with them while you're at the park. And I forget where I originally heard that, but that was one of the best ways I heard it put because I'm like, oh, that allows you to still have the human condition of like, man, I wish they were here to ride the roller coasters with me. But also the same notion being able to know that you're going to see them again in life. And that makes the sting a little bit less. And I don't have a way to quantifiably prove that. But, you know, as, as you know, or anyone who's done psychedelics do, you know, when you go far out in psychedelics, you experience something that is more real than anything you've ever experienced in your life. And, you know, one of the, <laughs> I heard this quote recently and it was spot on. And it was like, the people who run the world have never done mushrooms. People who do mushrooms understand why this is a problem. You know, <laughs> it's like, I've never heard anything so true in my life where I was like, yep, I know exactly what that problem is because they've yet to experience that and be humbled by it. And who knows, maybe they've done it in another way, but there's something where like, it humbles you, you know, when I was younger and I was, you know, pushing the envelope of like, okay, cool. Let me, let me do a six gram dose. Let me do a seven gram <laughs> dose. And then I was like, I got, I got shocked one time, you know, like I got, you know, I got bit back. I touched the hot stove, if you will. And it was a great experience, but at the same time, it helped me really have respect and reverence for what these medicines do and what they allow you to access. And the coolest part is, what I believe they're allowing us to access is not anything that we can't already access in daily life, but we've forgotten, you know, when we're kids, yeah. like you, when you watch a kid walking around, it's kind of like, you know, if you watch a two or three year old, you're like, oh, from the moment they're born to around like five or six, it's like watching them. And even past that, it's like watching someone come out of a very slow DMT trip, right? Or like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're just yeah. watching someone come down over like six years instead of like, you know, six hours. And yeah. it's so interesting because you know, like when I really tune in, I'm like, oh, they're still aware and seeing all the stuff that then at certain points we're told doesn't exist. That's not real. Don't make that sound, blah, blah, blah. And so I think a lot of life is the first half or first quarter, let's say, is kind of like learning how to become an adult. And then if you find the right adults, they're like, all right, let me teach you how to be a kid again. And yeah. so like you can still cook your own food, drive your own car and, you know, go on vacation, but you're still a kid in every other type of way. And I think that's the perfect balance overall. <laughs> oh, totally. Absolutely. And and I think that's why microdosing is becoming really popular is that people are drawn to this medicine for a reason. It calls your name and you'll end up thinking about it nonstop. Mm. Uh, you'll think about psychedelics, you'll hear about it, you'll just have this this weird little desire and, and just microdosing, right, allows people to kind of like 
like dip their toe in. Um, one of my mentors puts it beautifully that he never wants to shock anyone. Um, like what you had and, and mm. I've, I've had a couple of experiences like that <laughs> as well is that you don't want them to not return back to the medicine. Yes. And so that's where the reverence, that's where the dosing, that's where understanding the genetics or, uh, where it was made, who it was made by all mm. of this comes very in, uh, in handy. Right. And so, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens to psychedelics over the next few years, just because, you know, they typically take advantage of things and that are super powerful and Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll try to understand, um, how we are going to be able to move forward, um, with some of the legality of all of it. But, um, I will say that, that psychedelics, um, when I work with people, they, they say, well, I'm, I'm going to have to take this forever, right, to keep feeling this way. And you're like, no, it actually reminds you that you can feel that way with nothing. And so like really um, seasoned psychonauts, like they take less over time. Mm-hmm. They, they have maintenance routines that they come back to a state, right, pretty easily. And so, yeah, it's kind of just a remembering that it allows you to to be empowered i guess and to know that you can can you can do it yourself and that you can support yourself and so yeah that's been really big for me is people using the pharmaceutical model where they're like okay i'm going to have to take this the rest of my life and uh and like god that's just so ingrained in us that we are not powerful mm-hmm. and that we're going to have to take this super expensive additive to be able to get to a certain point in our lives or in our, in our minds. And, and that's not what psychedelics do. That's why I think they've been demonized for so long because they don't simply treat things. They actually cure them, you know, and it's not a given like uh, objectively always cure them. But, you know, I think it was phase three MDMA trials. It was something like 90% plus of people walked in with PTSD and walked out not having PTSD. And of course, like there are certain things that it's not like a given uh, whatsoever, but you know, if you have the right support, if you have these kind of things, and you also, you know, start realizing like, okay, I have the power to actually overcome this. You have the potential to to cure these things like they never existed. And I think that's why the world in general, especially Western societies, have been so reluctant to make these things more legal because it's one of their biggest piggy banks to be able to treat things forever, you know. And and I think that it's so challenging because, like you were saying, it does take people's power away and with psychedelics, you know, there's, there's just such a big opportunity to allow people to rediscover their true innate power as human beings far past the psychedelic experience, right? Like I forget where I read this, but it was something like people that had, you know, one psilocybin experience when they were like between 50 and 70 stated it was the most powerful prophetic experience of their life. Even after the experience ends, like you know, for a lot of people, they, they won't become a psychonaut. They'll try it once, they'll get the message, and they'll never need to do it again. Certain people, like I imagine both of us are, you know, we're called to work with these medicines. And so we interact with them more frequently. That being said, though, I imagine like, you know, at least in my case, and I imagine yours too, like, we're not using these things all the time. You know, even with cannabis and I, because cannabis is what I really focus in with my work. You know, I'm only interacting with it maximum twice per week. Sometimes I take months off. Every once in a while, I'll do five days in a row because that's what my soul is calling for. And I'm feeling like I'm accessing a deeper level of something. But then after that, I'll have a period of sobriety where I won't do anything again because I need to integrate what I learned. Because I think that, you know, part of this treatment model that people get in is like you were saying, you know, they kind of are like, well, 
if I was taking XYZ pharmaceutical to feel better, well, then I must need this all the time. And if they don't have someone guiding them, they might fall into that type of thing. And that's where, you know, not only patterns of dependency can, can form up, especially with things like cannabis, not so much with other things. Cause I don't care how much you like mushrooms. You're probably not going to do, you know, a five gram mushroom dose every day. It's just, <laughs> no. it's exhausting, you know, like not it takes a lot out of me. Yeah, exactly. Even with MDMA, you know, I'll do MDMA and be like, I'm good for the next eight to 10 months on that. Like, I don't want that again. And it was the, it's the best feeling ever. So it's really interesting, you know, in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I smoked cigarettes and those things are absolute garbage. Like they don't make you feel good. They're terrible. They're expensive yet. They're definitely addicting. It's so interesting realizing that pleasure does not equal addiction. It's something deeper than that. And what that is, I have no idea. I'll have to journey and figure out, you know, and find a theory for that. But what you were saying with regards to people that interact with psychedelics more frequently, like, after a while, I know this has happened for me. Like I don't do too many big doses anymore because I just don't need them. My normal dose is like a gram and I walk in the woods and I just get, I just get curious, you know, and it will be at whatever point of the year. I just all of a sudden go, Oh yeah, that, mm, that, that seems like it would be useful right now. And again, I don't like to open my Christmas presents before Christmas morning. So <laughs> I don't dive into it super hard and go, why do I feel like I'm cutting call to them? Why, why, why? Cause that just applies logic to it. You know, when I feel the call from my heart and soul, I answer it. And almost every time it's a very beautiful experience. And the times that it's not, it's still a beautiful experience. It just is usually after the experience ends that I'm like, oh my goodness, that was actually the best experience. And I think that brings up a really cool point with psychedelics where I imagine uh, you might've had this happen too, where the challenging experiences or the quote unquote, you know, objectively bad experiences people say are actually the ones that change your life the most or have the potential to. It's in those moments where you go past your comfort zone, where you have to surrender and you have to like really like take on that feminine component of surrendering that I think you learn a lot about life and you learn a lot about being able to surrender when life isn't going your way or, you know, when things aren't shaping up the way they're supposed to, quote unquote, you know, I think that's another powerful point within psychedelics that they can teach us about the concept of life as a whole. Yeah, I think that's like one of my biggest things that I feel called to is to explain to people that, in my opinion, there's no really such thing as a as a bad trip. If you have primed yourself and you have developed a slow roll um, relationship with a medicine to where you've gotten really comfortable with uh, surrendering to it in smaller doses, um, and you understand that you're safe because you're in the right set and setting and you have support, then anything that's challenging that comes up, you're much more prepared to deal with it rather than if you're like at a concert or by yourself and yeah. uses five grams for the first time and you don't know what you're doing. All of that really sets you up for like traumatizing experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas um, I've sat or I've supported and facilitated so many mushroom trips where, I mean, hard stuff comes up, but I tell people like, you want it up and out of your system. You want to process it. You want to stop pushing it down into your body. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, doing, doing this type of medicine experience where you feel supported to look at that side of things is really the thing. It's the root of the problem. So when you say that they really do heal, it's because we all have this rot in the root, which means rot in the fruit, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we get down to that very bottom root, which is like a feeling of unworthiness or a traumatizing experience or a, a, a feeling that you're not loved, all of that, if you rewire or replace that narrative, that allows everything that 
blossoms from that root to systematically be changed, right? And so that's the thing is that it's really important that you know your strain and you really know your dose and you have the facilitator or this support or a friend or a partner and you have the right set and setting, all of that really matters. And, and if you feel fully supported, then you can really handle anything that comes up. Absolutely. And you know, I'm, I, I always say that you can choose to use these things as substances or medicines and teachers. And I don't feel it's my place to judge people on what they choose to use them as, but my, my invitation and my piece of advice for everyone is, Hey, I've tried them both ways and there's, there's cool things to both, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, using them as a substance. Great. You have this cool experience and then you're back to your normal reality. And you're like, Oh my goodness, I need more of that medicine to access that. Or you choose to do it in the way you said with a facilitator, you choose to go into it with intention. You choose to have the right set and setting. You choose to have a ceremonial space. And then it's exponential because you have the experience, but that's just the beginning because then your life in your sober state of reality starts to be able to take on the magic you felt in the experience. And that I think is directly why if people are interacting with these medicines more frequently and they're doing so in that type of way, over time, they just don't need as much because they're like, pretty soon I'm not going to need any of this because my life is just so magical that I don't even know how much more magical to get. I'm not really having a lot of the same issues. And when things come up, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not reacting anymore. I'm talking with my partner or talking with friends or talking with so-and-so that I'm having a challenge with. We're having, you know, really nice conversations where neither of us are getting triggered. Or if we are, we're taking responsibility and going, Hey, when you said that it triggered something in me, and I'd like to see why, what's going on in me that made me get triggered over that. One of the common challenges that people deal with in the world is being triggered, especially right now where being triggered is kind of like a hobby for a lot of people. And I think, you know, over time, I've seen this happen. And we talked a little bit about it in Highly Optimized, but I've seen this victim mentality and this triggered thing happen where people almost wearing their triggers like badge of honors and badges of honor. And I'm kind of like, guys, there's nothing wrong with triggers. Like we all have them, but like, you really shouldn't be going out and being like, I'm sorry, that triggers me. It's like, you should probably figure that out, you know, and, and figure out what's going on. Cause it's not like the end of the thing, like, oh, it triggered me. So you can't say that. It's like, no, it's actually the opposite. It triggered you. Now you gotta have, you gotta go do some work and figure out what that is. And I think that being able to, you know, have a, an experience where you realize that everything is love, right. Or you realize that, you know, everyone is doing the best with the information they have and that everyone is their own unique sovereign being. And so just because someone might not agree with you doesn't mean they're an asshole, doesn't mean, you know, they're they're victimizing you or that you're a victim or you're or that you're a villain. It just means that, hey, they have a different experience of life. And in theory, it's exciting to hear about different experiences of life. And this is why I love cannabis so much. One of the many reasons, because I feel that with mushrooms and LSD and things like that, it's sometimes hard to have a full-on conversation, depending on how close you are with the person and when where you are in your experience and how much you've had. But with cannabis, the real culture of cannabis is like sitting around a fire, connecting with cannabis, and just talking. And the great part is that, you know, like the flat earth example, like, you know, my buddy Eddie and I, we will interact with cannabis and we'll just go down conspiracy alley. I'll be like, dude, what are the new conspiracies you've heard about? And it's not that I believe them all, but I'm so curious and vice versa. He doesn't believe all the ones I say, but we're so curious. And I think that that's what the mind of a child is like, right? Like I'm not a religious person yet. I know a good line when I hear it. And the Bible states that if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must first enter the mind of a child. And so what is heaven on earth? Cause I do believe heaven is a place on earth, not to quote that hilarious song, but it happened. But like, you know, if heaven is not something separate from us, but something we have the opportunity to enter while we're still here being alive, then I think it comes from being able to 
be so rooted in yourself that you're able to have people disagree with you. And it doesn't throw you off kilter. It doesn't throw you off of your own center. And you're actually genuinely curious, like, hey, tell me your argument, because if yours is cool than mine, then maybe I'll take on your belief instead. You know, and I think that's a great spot to be at, because, again, that is really the feeling of non-attachment, as I've seen it, right? Like not taking yourself so seriously to realize that you might be wrong about something. Like I've been wrong more times than I can count. And I'm excited to be wrong because every time I become wrong, I have an opportunity to learn. And so I've kind of hacked that, you know, that natural reflex to try to stick up for yourself when you're wrong into something where I'm like, okay, maybe I feel wrong in this scenario. Okay, cool. I have an opportunity to learn something that might actually make my experience of life greater and grander in nature. And I think that's so fucking cool. (laughs) Mm Yeah. To your point about being able to talk, uh, I, I will say, yeah, cannabis has been great for me in, in that sense as well. I do want to to state that I think that it's really important that that you do have both experiences on psilocybin. You have yes. the fun, pleasurable experience, the lo- lower doses where you dance with your friends, you camp mm-hmm. with your friends, you watch a cool movie with your friends. Because if your brain only associates these really hard trips with with the medicine, then you're not going to be as like open to do, doing them maybe as much as you need to, to kind of get through some stuff. Mm. So yeah, I definitely have of the camp that believes that, you can have a really beautiful relationship across the board with your plant medicine and understand what that means for you. But like, for instance, I've, I've had some really beautiful conversations on a microdose. I've had some really beautiful conversations on a, a tiny amount of like a cannabis gummy. Right. Mm. Um, and, and it, what it essentially did, it was just opened my mind and relaxed my nervous system to where I could not be as uh, stuck in my ways or triggered or argumentative because of something else that's going on in my life. And so, yeah, I will say it's beautifully put that our triggers are not someone else's burden. They are teachers. And so it's kind of getting to the point where I'm like, thank you for triggering me. Thank you for showing me where I'm not free and where I need to do some work rather than everyone shutting everyone down if they trigger each other. I think that community with with psychedelics is really important. And I didn't realize how important it was until I started doing these rewilding retreats. And it's one thing to do a lot of work by yourself, but you can't really heal relational trauma by yourself. And so a lot of, uh, I would say women's experience, a woman's experience in our society is like, we have witch wounds and mother wounds and sister wounds. And so to be seen in that way and to process emotion and to be witnessed and held and, and appreciated while you're on a plant medicine, it really just makes it 10 X the experience. Right. (laughs) And so I mean, major rewiring happened to me at this last experience. And I thought, I mean, which is silly and and this is (laughs) like, hello, but I've done so many experiences that I was like, I felt like I had looked in all my nooks and crannies or at least had an idea of ones that I still needed to work on. And then I found like 10 more in this other door and was able to work on them in a really beautiful way because I was in community. And mm. so, yeah, I would say, um, don't jest if you're, if you're the type of person and you're listening and you only do psychedelics by yourself, 
I invite you to make sure that you're bringing pleasure into it more often and you're um, inviting community into it more often. I know that might be hard if you feel like you're the only one experimenting, but um, doing your due diligence to find out how to properly dose a small group of people with a very small dose is a really beautiful way to bond people together and maybe they're open their mind up to the healing power of psychedelics. Hello, everybody. I hope you are all enjoying the show. I wanted to stop by and fill you in on our brand new, completely free to join Facebook community called the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle. I imagine many of you are aware of the newest creation within Highly Optimized, which is the Connect with Cannabis program. Alex and I are having so much fun empowering health and wellness professionals with the skill set of facilitating conscious cannabis and helping them up-level their facilitation practice that we wanted to create a space where anyone could join to ask questions, receive free information on how to work with cannabis and the way we teach in the program, and be able to gain clarity around how to get the best results with their clients in order to become financially independent in their health and wellness practice. To join, hop over to the link in our Instagram bio and send us a request. It is our intention to assist as many health and wellness professionals as possible in the important work they are doing in the world. And if you are looking to join a community of like-minded individuals just like you, who are passionate about helping their clients achieve the highest quality of life possible, the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle is for you. I am looking forward to speaking with all of you in the group, and as always, enjoy the show. Some of my absolute favorite experiences have not been the gigantic doses where I know I'm releasing trauma. And of course, it's very powerful and it does help change your life in very profound ways or it can. But some of the best experiences I've had have been when I've been in nature with friends and we're just like literally, it's almost like vicious in the way that like, I'm like, don't make me laugh anymore, please. I will die. (laughs) Like, you know, and it's like, you're at the mercy of someone else and they're like such a good joke teller and you're like, please no. And they're like, I'm going to do it. And you're like, please no. You know, it's like those kind of experiences and then being able to lay in a hammock and just look up at the trees, you know, like I go to this uh, music festival most, most years called Electric Forest and it's the most beautiful festival ever for anyone listening. Just go. It's amazing. Whether you do medicines or not, you can go completely sober and have the best time of your life. But it is, I call it a psychedelic playground for adults because just being able to sit in those trees, which it has a beautiful story to the guy who planted them. I think his name is Woody. Uh, don't quote me on that, but he used to, he was a very old gentleman by the time that electric forest was really starting to go, but he would always be walking through the forest or on his ATV and people would be giving him hugs and everything. And he passed away a couple of years ago and they keep his ATV like up on like the shrine. And he planted all of those trees that people hammock in when he was a, just a very young kid, like four or five. And so it was so beautiful having that whole story there. And they have this thing called the giving tree where you can go and donate whatever you want there. And people will come pick things up and leave things of theirs. And it's such a beautiful experience where you don't need a lot. I mean, it's a psychedelic experience, completely sober, you know? And so some of my favorite experiences have been with my partner. It's a morning. We're kind of feeling lazy. You know, you kind of sleep during the day and stay up at night and uh, become nocturnal, which I've always been my whole life. So it's pretty easy for me to do it. And so we'll go lay in a hammock. We'll take a dose of mushrooms and we'll just cuddle and just as the hammock, you know, someone will come by every once in a while and just push your hammock. So it goes back and forth and you just look up at the trees and you find your connection in nature. And, you know, I've communicated with trees and, you know, it's just, it's so beautiful. And I think that those are some of the most amazing experiences. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of minimum effective dosing. Cause I think that right now, a lot of people are trying to hit the button so hard. And I'm like, listen, there are reasons and times and situations in which you might need to do a heavier dose. 
but at the same time, you don't need a heavier dose to be able to get the really positive effects that can come from psychedelics. And I think that the more we talk about these things in public and the more that we kind of take the cat out of the bag and tell people like, Hey, these things are not what you've been taught. They are, they're not demonic. I mean, I think there's nothing more human nature than trying to shift your consciousness. I mean, people have been seen even with cannabis up to 12,000 years ago. And so, you know, I think there was a skeleton recently found um, uh, some years back in China of this essentially shaman that had cannabis on him. And it was like, I think over 10,000 years old. And so, you know, we've been interacting with these plants for millennia and it's only been in the last hundred that they've been quote unquote demonized. And it's not in all the world either. It's really just in Western societies and some of Europe as well. But I think that the more we can start to destigmatize these things, the more we can help people realize that like, hey, the people that told you these were bad, we're pretty much only telling you they were bad because they understood the potential of them to uh, open you up to things that made you not care about having the most expensive house, not care about keeping up with the Joneses, not care about buying a new car and getting yourself in a debt. They realized that like, oh shit, if all these people need to be happy as a fire in a tent in the woods, we're going to be really screwed, you know, because then how are they going to buy into the system? And I think that's so powerful because <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what I feel every time you have the right people around you. When you do a psychedelic, you're like, this could be it for me. And this is totally cool. I'm completely complete here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do like to think about why it maybe it was demonized so much. And definitely like people were not going to war, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't want to go to war. You don't want to fight. You are so peaceful and happy. And so I think taking it away when they were fighting such a big war was, was um, instrumental, not to mention that scientists not knowing what they're doing, testing large amounts on people and watching them go into psychotic fits, right? Mm -hmm. They're not really psychotic fits. They're just people emoting and experiencing another dimension. Mm -hmm. And your 50s, like 1950s idea of what a prim and proper person is looks completely different than the primal energy that's coming through on this plant medicine experience. So there's so many reasons why I think it was taken away from the people and why it's been such a huge part of a lot of underground cultures for a really long time, yeah. uh, even in the Western world, right? Mm. Now that I'm talking to some of my elders, I'm finding out how much it's been in, in certain groups and organizations without me even knowing. But yeah, I think that that's the, the biggest thing is that why I'm so passionate about helping people is that we don't need any more bad press, right? We don't need someone taking eight grams of mushrooms and running out into traffic naked because yeah. that's really <laughs> not going to help yeah. the, the PR that is that is true, that is in a beautiful setting, in a ceremonial setting with intention or with a, a beautiful community that you love this can be life-changing medicine. Mm. And so um, that's that's why I decided to put myself at risk essentially by coming out and wanting to support people in this capacity because if we don't start talking about this now, it's never really going to hit a tipping point where enough people are going to be able to feel like they can be helped by this medicine. Yeah, 100%. And it's so funny thinking about the 50 scenarios. It's like, so what were they doing? They were giving people large doses that were usually military personnel with military around them in the worst set and settings ever. Like, 
hospital settings around tanks. Like, can you even imagine what that would be like? Like, well, you have plus people... their PTSD, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and there the... are some of the people that are going to be experiencing the worst trips. <laughs> yeah. And not to mention, there are some really interesting videos that I've watched of like housewives mm. that they gave stuff to and to watch them like really get playful and like like laugh hysterically and like want to climb on things and look like they were young a 50s man like a scientist is like oh wow she just went batshit crazy this is bad stuff when in all actuality maybe that's exactly what she needed (laughs) yes and not to mention the fact that you know for many years now the you know if you want to call it the patriarchy or whatever men have been extremely scared of the potential of women right and that's why they've beaten them down so much and when you go back to matriarchal societies right like this is a big thing and it's funny how a lot of these men, you know, and by these men, I mean the ones that, you know, were beating women down for years. I think they were projecting the way they treated women onto how women would potentially treat men where they're like, we can't have women get ahead because then they'll beat us down. It's like, no, idiot. You're just projecting your skewed point of reality onto women. When you look back at matriarchal societies, it's not that women were in charge. They had a perfect balance between masculine and feminine energy because they understood that's what's necessary to live in harmony. It's only this fractured view of masculinity that is only now just starting to be brought out in the limelight. And a lot of men are starting to do this work to be able to become more balanced in their masculine and feminine energies that, you know, I think that we're really starting to see a change back to this, you know, union. And it's not there yet, of course, but I think we're seeing the necessary components come out. And I think psychedelics are a big part of it because, you know, what I choose to believe is that, you know, the earth is feminine. Uh, I believe it's a sentient being. And because we're on the earth, the earth is our God. And so, you know, I think that when we have these experiences, like, you know, a man who might be quote unquote manly, you know, hugging a tree when he's on five grams of mushrooms and crying and realizing all of these things, it's pretty hard to beat that down after when you've had that direct experience. And I also think that with all the actual scientific research coming out in the modern day, that even for the left brain dominant people, they can't argue with it anymore either. It's like, oh, are you smarter than Harvard? How about John Hopkins? Like, are you really going to say <laughs> yeah. that you, you know, person who's, you know, XYZ person is going to be smarter than them? It's like, this isn't just hearsay anymore. And I think that the more that the powers that be try to beat people down that are coming out and stating these things, the more they're just going to look idiotic and the more that people are going to rebel because now they're like, hey, even science is saying these are powerful. Why are you now still putting these ridiculous laws in place? Like, you know, I'm very fortunate. Well, we both actually live in places that cannabis, for instance, is legal. And I think cannabis is making, you know, kind of like the forefront of psychedelics in general being more accepted. But at the same time, a lot of a lot of cannabis culture is still very toxic, too. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I left the dispensary I was working at, because I could see that, you know, they weren't intentionally like, you know what I think we'll do, we'll be toxic, you know, but they just weren't taking into account because they were much too left brain and they were in finance and other things. And all they were really worried about was making money. But I'm like, guys, we can't have a new patient come in here and not get the time and attention they need. Even if it's two hours of my day, I need to make sure that when they go home, they're not going to overdose themselves because then at best they have a challenging experience and they are not turned on to cannabis anymore. At worst, they try to sue us because they didn't have the clear indication of how to interact with this medicine. And I think that's why I'm such a big proponent and I imagine same for you of making sure that we're coming on and saying, hey, these things can be amazing. They can also be very traumatizing. Make sure that you understand and use discernment in your own life to know if it's the right time for you and if these medicines are right for you, because there are other ways to access these things 
you know, albeit some, most of them are a little bit slower, but you know, there are many different ways to access the same universal truth that we're realizing through psychedelics. But I think that the more people that come out that are speaking to, you know, holding them in reverence, that they're not a pissing contest to get into to see how many mushrooms you can eat. And, you know, that it's, you know, oh, I got to do more than this person. Doesn't matter how many ayahuasca sessions you've done, you know, it doesn't make you a cooler person, you know, all of these things that we've been seeing in, let's just say certain communities that I know we've talked about, where it almost seems like you meet someone and you're like, Hey, my name's Ryan. And they're like, cool. My name's so-and-so I've done ayahuasca 65 times. And you're like, I don't care. Like, who are you as a result of doing that 65 times? And how are you integrating? And how are you doing these things? And I think that the more we can show people like these things are not quote unquote, cool to do. They're just something that if you're called to can help you gain more experience and more joy in life. If integrated properly, I think that the tide will continue to turn. And I think that Pandora's box is open, right? Like, you know, as soon as Gwyneth Paltrow had her own show, I was like, all right, the moms are in on this. We're good. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. like we're good now. You know, we, 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 we crossed a peak that I think, uh, the box can't be closed at this point. It'd be really hard to go back in time now. A woman to all that for yes. sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's like being a branding person, why I got really passionate about how people see medicine and the people that work with it because it's not just the stinky hippies in in the woods well I did kind of turn into it (laughs) that is fun to do too yeah but I kind of maybe I don't stink but um yeah it's it's kind of just like normal people entrepreneurs like housewives um tons and tons of people like if you were to look at my client roster you would be shocked at the variety of age groups, of incomes, of education levels, because we're all fundamentally human and we all have trauma to deal with and uh, reprogramming that might need to be done at different aspects of our lives. And so, yeah, I say across the board, it can help in so many different ways with so many different people with the right guidance. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I would say uh, yeah to everything that you just said and then some um <laughs> And I, I'm interested for people to start taking a friend's advice and 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 talking to someone that might be able to help them to understand, is it cannabis? Is it psilocybin? I mean, heck, is it microdosing LSD? Whatever it is, like it could be a longer protocol or it could be one or two big, wonderful events for you. Just try to figure out what your journey is. Everybody is completely different. Mm, I love that. You know, and it's it's so true because when I worked at the dispensary, I saw that young people, old people, police officers, firemen, lawyers, doctors, uh, librarians, school teachers, you know, and like garbage men, anyone you could possibly imagine in terms of an archetype of a human being was interacting with cannabis. And so what we realized is that the potential for these across different, you know, age groups, brackets, et cetera, is universal, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's not like a certain type of person is the only person who can benefit from this. There are many different types of people. I mean, really endless that can benefit from this. And I think that the more that we start seeing that, oh, it's not just the dirty hippies doing this anymore, like it might have been viewed as in the 60s, but even then it wasn't just the dirty hippies. I mean, there's a reason why Silicon Valley people are microdosing LSD, right? Like spoiler alert, it helps you really access creativity, you know, and some of these people are extremely wealthy. You know, most very successful people have had some sort of psychedelic experience in their life. And even if that psychedelic experience was simply like, 
you know, doing breath work on top of a mountain for a year, right. And becoming a monk, like who knows what it might've been, but you know, most people have had some type of transcendental experience, uh, that psychedelics can help us access. And so, you know, I love these conversations because they really help me tune deeper into my own passion about why I'm doing this and really reignite my purpose every single time I have one of these. And, you know, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I can't believe once again, we've gone through the hour already. It flies by with you. It's so easy. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they find out more about your, uh, I know you have a microdosing guide, uh, that's for sale. Um, where can they find all that stuff? Uh, my website is storyxstyle.com and on Instagram, I'm mushroom mamacita and people message me a lot on there with questions and, and I really like connecting with them. Uh, also, a lot of times people will book just a discovery call with me just to understand uh, what does it look like uh, to, to work with me or uh, to understand how they can go on their own journey with just a little bit of, uh, of some guidance. So yeah, I would love to connect with anyone who resonated with what we talked about. And I really appreciate you for this time. Uh, oh, it's you. been so great to talk to you. I, <laughs> I could probably talk to you for days. So yes, yeah. <laughs> likewise. Yeah. You're so welcome. And thank you for charging my battery. And I have one final question for you, Bijou, and that is this. Say someone listened to this conversation and they became very inspired to look into psychedelic medicines in their own journey of life. What is the one piece of advice that Bijou Finney would suggest to allow them to use the proper discernment to decide whether or not these medicines are right for them in their lives? Um, at this point, uh, we are so fortunate. I mean, six years ago when I started, there wasn't as much literature. There wasn't as much stuff online. There's so much more to support you. I would say do your due diligence and look into the spirit of each medicine. Understand what people have said it is good for and really have a clear idea of what you want optimized in your life or what you need healed in your life or how you could use some support. And then accordingly pick the, the medicine that's going to be able to help you with those things. And sometimes it's just, uh, I need to experience a little bit more awe or I need to remember what bliss feels like because I've gotten so far away from it. It can be as simple as that. So don't think it's got to be like, oh, I didn't have that much trauma in my childhood or I think I'm doing pretty well. You could always do a little bit better yes. and you can always have a really beautiful experience connecting to nature because that's definitely one of the biggest things that I think people are needing right now. So, uh, yeah, just, just do your, your research and find someone that you resonate with and learn from their experiences, talk to other people that have done it and, and really try to feel into what is going to be the right medicine for you to start with. Cause a lot of times people like run right into ayahuasca and I'm like, damn, like yeah. <laughs> I would not want to just like yes. throw myself into ayahuasca <laughs> for the first experience with psychedelics, but you do you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. It's beautiful. Okay, guys, was that an amazing conversation or what? When Bijou and I first connected, it was incredible how many concepts, beliefs, and passions we shared. And as soon as we met, I knew I wanted the opportunity to showcase her and the incredible work she is doing on the show. Bijou is a living example of what can happen when we connect with psychedelics and plant medicines alike with intention, reverence, and respect, and do the necessary integration work after our experiences have concluded to quote unquote, get the message as Terrence McKenna famously stated with regards to the lessons these medicines and teachers have to show us about our individual experiences of life and life as a whole. 
for any of you who are looking to connect with Bijou to find out more about the work she does and how you can benefit from working with her, make sure to check out the show notes where I will be listing all of the ways you can buy the ticket and take the ride into her world today. I think it's safe to say that although Bijou wears many hats and has already done so much in her life, we are only scratching the surface into the epic impact she is making in the world. Bijou, thank you so much for sharing your time, experience, and wisdom on the show today, for preaching the good word of why concepts such as intention and integration are so important within the psychedelic space, and for adding your unique light to the world. And until next time, my friend, may your journey be smooth and full of light. Aho.